properties owned by owner-operated businesses, small businesses, non-rated entities. And that side of the market has never really reached its full potential. Residential is growing nicely, utility is growing nicely, small and mid-sized commercials never reach its potential. But just take off from an airport and look down and you see the potential opportunity. And the reason why I think is that most people that want to own property want to own solar themselves and they just need good financing to do it and that's never really existed. Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick Podcast, where solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host, Benoit Thangent, so let's get into it. Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. I would like to thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast is Schwerd Consulting. Schwerd Consulting is a leading solar consulting firm dedicated to design, engineering, owner's representation, and technical consulting in all areas of solar, photovoltaics, and energy storage for the commercial, industrial, and utility markets. At Schwerd Consulting, they like to say, we know solar, we just don't do solar. What sets them apart is their 100% focus on solar, while having an extensive background in building and utility engineering and understanding the business of our clients, we're, they're involved with the trends, technologies, vendors, policies, utilities, codes, and financial considerations for the industry. Therefore, value add for them is not just a slogan, it's what they practice in order to have a loyal customer base and gain trust. Short Consulting has been in business for nine years and has provided services for approximately one gigawatt of PV across over 800 sites and 17 states plus the Caribbean. Let Schwerd Consulting take the burden off you and bring ease and expertise in all areas of engineering and design or help you navigate the technical world of solar. If you're interested in learning more about Schwerd Consulting, you call them at 215-219-6718. That's 215-219-6718 or email to admin at schwerdconsulting.com. Schwerd Consulting's website is www.schwerd.com. Consulting.com. We'll also have that in the notes of the podcast. I've known Steve for 15 years. Him and his team does an amazing job with their clients, and I appreciate him supporting the podcast. And he's also been on several episodes of the Solar Maverick podcast. So definitely check it out through our catalog. And thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Hi, this is Benoit. Here goes the Solar Maverick podcast. I'm really excited to have Josh Colbert, who's the CEO of Sunstone Credit. Josh is a true solar maverick. He's been now in the industry for 15 plus years, founding and operating businesses in solar installation, development, and financing space, including Ashram Solar and Sunlight Financial. I know, Josh, we met when you were at Ashram Solar, and we talked about Rex all the time. You also co-founded Legends of Learning, having been a solar installer and business owner yourself. Josh is passionate about supporting both Sunstone's solar development partners and the commercial customers they serve through Sunstone's mission. Josh started his career as an m lawyer. Josh, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you making the time. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited to do this. Yeah, definitely. I think what would be great is to talk a little bit about Sunstone Credit and what you guys and how you differentiate from other lenders in the market. Sure. So the, the thesis behind Sunstone Credit is that if you think about Solar, I kind of put solar into four industry strike industry segments, residential solar, utility scale, and the middle is commercial, but then two segments. One is the Walmarts, the world that goes solar, and then two is everything else. Properties owned by owner-operated businesses, small businesses, non-rated entities. And that side of the market has never really reached its full potential. Residential is growing nicely, utility is growing nicely, small and mid-sized commercials never reach its potential. But just take off from an airport and look down. 
and you see the potential opportunity. And the reason why I think is that most people that want to own property want to own solar themselves, and they just need good financing to do it. And that's never really existed. So at Sunset Credit, what we do is we provide the financing for small and mid-sized property owners. We partner with banks and financial institutions on one side to create unique financial products that are designed for the solar space. And then we distribute that financing through solar installers all over the country. And we're really trying to help make it easy for a property owner to go solve it. So we do. We think that there's a huge market out there. And this is a, something that we hear typically from our installer partners is this is the market that I've been waiting to address for 10 years, 15 years. They just never had the product to do it. And actually, the sorry to give you a long-winded answer here, no, but the, the origin of this business goes back to my first company, Astrid Solar. We were a residential solar sales marketing installation business. So we started with residential only. We would sell solar to homeowners. We got into small commercial because so many of our homeowner customers said, hey, I loved this experience. I loved going solar. I also own an office building or whatever that commercial property was. Can I do the same thing on my property? And the answer would be, of course you can. And the great news is it's an even better deal because you get to depreciate the asset that you can't do residential. Because system costs are lower because you have more scale. And oftentimes the price of power for most commercial users is very similar to residential. And they'd be like, great. Like, do you have that financing? Do you have that loan that you had for my house? And they'd be like, no, you have to pay cash. And some folks did, but the number of buyers out there willing to pay cash for a commercial system, $500,000, $2 million, is very, very low. And this is like 2013, 2014. I spent some time since then working on other businesses. And about three years ago, this opportunity was sought there. I said, hey, like, I think it's now time to address this problem. There are businesses that want to go solar. There are solar installers that want to sell those businesses desperately. There's a huge market there. The missing link is finance. Let's try and solve it. Yeah, you know what's amazing to me is like it's been an issue for such a long time. As you said, you were talking about passion in 2013, 14. And I think there's a really huge opportunity. It's amazing that it's already almost 10 years. And now you're really taking advantage of a huge opportunity in the market. Why is it like a commercial, basically, like a partner just go to their normal like bank and get made, like some sort of loan through that? Can you talk about maybe the difference between going directly to Sunstone credit and to maybe their existing banking relationship? Great question. So I think a few reasons. One, banks tend to be very slow. Like they're used to underwriting real estate deals. Underwriting can take between 60 to 90 to days to a year. And it doesn't really work for solar because solar is a product that is sold, not bought, meaning like nobody needs to have solar, right? It, it isn't a new roof if your roof is leaking. And so if you're a business owner and you're, you know, Josh has tired auto shop, already working 70 hours a week to keep your core business going, you want to go solar because the economics are good. But if you've just been a lot of time with your bank, it's like, you're just never going to get to it. And so part of what we do is because we know solar well, underwriting is streamlined and kind of aimed at making faster decisions while still maintaining more rigor than what a traditional bank does. And then later on top of that, the products that banks tend to offer tend to be like Swiss Army knife products. So it's kind of like one product fits a lot of solutions, but doesn't really fit any of them very well. If you're in New York City and you go to like Bank of America or City and you want to loan for solar, they're going to offer you a five-year lease. It's the same lease they would offer you if you wanted to buy a big truck or you needed a new kitchen in your restaurant. And for solar, it doesn't really work because solar is all about matching cash flows. And so you need longer duration, kind of more tailored products. And that's what we do. You could do it. And some people do. But it's kind of really ill-suited and it's really held the market back. And so our belief is if you have products that are tailored for the space that reduce friction, you'll get more buyers. That's so true because I see it myself as a developer trying to get financing for 
commercial industrial customers? And how long is the process potentially within the Sunstone credit process? It's really much, it can get anywhere from 24 hours to you know two months. It just depends on how complicated the deal is and how responsive the borrower is. But in general, they're much faster and more nimble than kind of traditional. And we're trying to constantly get better at that. So I think we're trying to prove out a new asset class. And if that works, I think that would be great. And we have some unique thoughts and views on how we underwrite that we're trying to convince the world makes sense. And over time, we'll tell if we're right. I think a good parallel, last time I started Sunlight Financial, which did residential solar financing. You know, if you go back in time, back in the day, everyone was doing leases, your old company, solar leases. Yeah. And I always thought that like a lease was a really bad way for a homeowner to go solar, but it was a better way than no financing at all, right? And I think the market has kind of shown that like a loan product makes the most sense, but it took a long time to convince banks that, hey, like, here's a product, a solar loan product. It's different than what you usually do. It's 20 years. Like, how is it going to perform? Sure. And over time, it's actually been proven to perform quite well, but that's taken 10 years of history. We're trying to do something similar for commercials. That makes sense. So, what's normally like the commercial loan duration? We go anywhere from five to 20 years. Okay. That's great. How has the current interest rate environment impacted? It's fantastic. <laughs> um, <laughs> The cost of capital has obviously increased for everybody in, in every industry. It's stabilized a little bit over the past month or so, which is nice. I think kind of the saving grace for which, and obviously if our costs rise, we pass that cost on to our, our customers, our business borrowers, which makes the deal on the one hand a little bit less attractive. I think a few other nice things, obviously the Inflation Reduction Act has been a very nice tailwind for the industry, uh, putting the tax credit in place. Uh, there's a bunch of businesses that are in zones where they can get an extra 10% tax credit. We've seen a pretty precipitous drop in panel prices recently, module prices. So extent rates have gone up, maybe the cost to build has gone down a little bit, which certainly helps. And then we've also seen markets where power prices have increased a lot. And so if you go back to that notion that you know solar is sold, not bought, I think rising power prices, if you're a business and all of a sudden your profitability is impacted because your power costs are up 20%, that kind of puts like a tick in the back of your head of like, how can I control this cost, right? And relying on your local utility to control the cost is a really terrible idea. More people are focused on source, even if the savings aren't quite what they were a year ago. Rates are higher to say, hey, you know what? I don't want to have my profitability back next year because rates go up 20 more percent. Let me hedge my costs now. So that makes a lot of sense. That, that kind of like fear, it's a rational fear. And a lot of businesses, like take like a nursing home, utilities are a huge part of the variable costs and they have no control. So you can be the best operator in the world and lose money because your utility won a 23% rate Right, That is huge. And obviously being able to control or manage your electricity cost over a long period of time is a huge. You know, yeah. I mean, we see tons of interest from like agricultural users. So again, irrigation uses a lot of power. Power is a big variable cost. They have a very long-term view of their costs. Yeah. And they want to fix those costs. Definitely. I'm going back to something you said before, it was interesting. You were talking about operating systems for like usually five to seven to 10 years. And Basically, the operating lease would take the tax equity portion, but here with a conventional loan, I'm assuming it's project debt. You know, it's better now because the commercial industrial owner, if they have a tax appetite, it's actually a lot better for them to do project debt. And then with transferability, hopefully that will also streamline and make things more convenient. Absolutely. Yeah, like if you think about commercial real estate, like, and so historically, it's been third party developers own an asset on a rooftop and sell power. I think that actually makes a lot of sense for a lot of the real estate that's owned by large publicly traded companies and REITs where they don't really want to have impact of solar on their financials, but they want to have solar on the properties. And that's a healthy portion of the market. And like we don't really address that. But there's tons of property out there owned by family offices or non-rated entities where 
what they really care about is cash flow. And they want the tax credit. They want the depreciation. So they don't, a lot of times we hear, I don't want someone else owning something on my property because one, it's a hassle. And two, they're taking a lot of the economics away from me. So I'd rather own. But if I don't have financing, I'll just do nothing. So we approved this a million dollars of loans a few weeks ago on some medical hospitals in California. And I randomly just talked to the owner of the property and said, like, why are you doing this now? You must have pitched solar every day for the past 10 years. You got these prime buildings that fly over the roofs. He's like, yeah, I had that. But no one's ever pitched me a solution where I could own the asset. I didn't want someone else owning it on my roofs. And I think that's kind of what we empower. So I think this is just like the left behind side of the market. I think that's huge. Like this is a great opportunity to their own projects and you get a lot higher return on the asset compared to like the lease or so that's great that buy that sort of solution of liquidity in the market. And the same thing can play out over time for things like storage and EV charging. So we're primarily a solar lender today. We do some EV charging, uh, we do some storage. But kind of our view also is there's a lot of interesting technology that's coming down on the pike from universities to you know companies to ultimately to the market. And a lot of these things have very large upfront capital costs, so they need to be financed. And traditional banks just aren't doing a good job of it. And so one of the values we provide is we actually partner with those banks. You asked earlier, like, why don't banks do this? Well, we partnered with MNT Bank, for example. Like the product that we offer them, you can't get from one of their local branches. Interesting. But they're very keen on being in the space. And they recognize that they don't have the expertise to do it. And so that's a natural partnership for us. How can we work with a really well, well-balanced depository institution and then kind of partner our expertise in space to build a great product? Yeah, I appreciate that. That's huge. That's great that you basically educated lenders. As you mentioned, they're used to very conventional things and to actually do something that's pretty different. And, you know, basically bringing them the deal flow as well yeah. through your developer network. You talked about like how most of the deal flow is coming through developer network that you created from that. That's great. So we don't sell solar, right? We partnered today with about 420 solar installers that cover all 50 states of DC. Obviously, concentrations in the better solar markets, and those folks are out there selling solar. So whether you know you're in Tulsa, Oklahoma, or Baltimore, Maryland, where I live, or, or New York, where we're sitting, a solar installer in your area will come to your business and it's say, hey, I want to sell you solar. Here's why you should do it. And by the way, I have the financing that you need through my partner's also. So even if you called me, I would say, hey, I'm not, I have my partner so We don't need to not do that channel at all. But I've got two great installers in your area that you should speak to. They'll do a high quality job. They'll give you a quote like who you want. We're happy to finance it for you. Uh, that's right. That makes it a lot easier for the, the EPC because they have a relationship with the customer. Absolutely. And if you think about stuff like commercial real estate, it's inherently low. Right, like yes. who owns property in Oklahoma or Indiana? Like people who live in Oklahoma and Indiana. And so, if you want to sell to them, be in the community, you need to get that lead at the local chamber of commerce or whatever it is. We're not going to develop that lead nationally. Again, again, different if you're targeting like a Walmart, which is more like a national buyer with with local footprints. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And selling solar cheap world as you mentioned before. I think I was going to ask too is you mentioned other technologies outside of solar that can be charging. What about if someone needs a new roof before they do solar? Would you provide? We do. Solar has to be kind of the primary source of the loan, right? So if you need a million dollar new roof, you want to put a 10 kilowatt solar system on it. We're not the, we're not the finance party for you. But if you're doing a $20 million solar private, and you need $500,000 roof repairs, like, yes, we can do that all day long. Same thing with like EV charging. Like, we're like if you have a standalone EV charging, we don't finance that. But if you're doing solar for an office property, and they also want to put some chargers outside because a third of the people that come in have Teslas or whatever it is will finance that too. Storage and EV charging are kind of the two big add-ons, like new roofs, structural upgrades, things like electrical upgrades. 
things like that we do. We only do behind the meter, so we're not going to be financing like large transmission or transformer sure. upgrades. That really is what we do. That's actually great that you explain that your focus on behind the meter. Yeah. Can you also talk about like what states predominantly you focus on as your product? I know. So we're eleven all fifty states in DC. We have partners in all the states, but there's obviously concentration. So California is our biggest market. I think New Jersey is second. So you tend to see concentrations of loans in markets where the economics are better. So either some combination of the high power costs plus local incentives. And I think that's probably for two reasons. One, the economics are just better. So it's more of a no-brainer for the business. But two, because the economics are better, you tend to have more installers, which means there's more installers generating leads. So there's kind of more and more at-bats in those areas. Yeah, California, New Jersey, the Northeast in general, kind of from like Maryland up through New York, Massachusetts, Connecticut are all great markets. But if you look at like where commercial storage, like most of where commercial store pencils, pencils in a lot of states. We've done loans in like Wisconsin and Missouri, Texas and Florida. They're like weren't, you know, back when I had my installation business, we're not considered solar states where solar does, doesn't make sense for business owner. For sure. And that's because it's an ownership model. That's probably why you're able to have maybe less of an incentive because of you know, these other, like the ITC and some of the other things. They're a pure asset owner. You have like a hurdle rate, right? You might say, hey, I'll do a project at a 12% on of return or whatever it is. At 11.9, you just won't do it. It doesn't meet your hurdles. But if you own a property and you're going to plan to own it for a while, you might accept a lower return too because it's saving you money. And so like, you don't think exactly like a pure financial or you might have a tenant who says, hey, like I want to be the building that's producing green power like, that matters to a lot of consumers. So like, if it can make economic sense and there's other benefits that can be really important to it. You could be a farm that sells you know chickens upstream and the company that you're selling it to has an ESG requirement and they won't buy from you. You might do it for another you might need to go solar, meet some other goal. So that we also That makes sense. And I appreciate you explaining. And how do you handle? I know we've talked a lot about rep restaurants in the past, like in certain markets like DC that have very high rep values. And you know, you have Pennsylvania, Ohio have lower rep values and potentially it could change based on legislation. Like how do you handle like when it's the resource when the Basically, the revenue for yeah. the incentive is variable. It's a great question. So, you know, part of our underwriting is, does this deal make economic sense for the borrower? I think if you look at residential solar, what has driven some defaults is, you know, bad sales practices lead to deals that the homeowner bought that really aren't a good deal for them. They figure that out and they don't want to pay for it. And commercial solar, at least the ownership model being pretty new, we want to make sure that even well-intentioned installers present things accurately. And so S-Racks are part of that, right? Like, especially in the market like New Jersey, DC, certainly they're a big part of the savings. And so we verify that like what the customer is expecting is reasonable. New Jersey is pretty easy because the prices are fixed. A lot of times the installer will facilitate the sale of those racks, but it's something that we spend a fair amount of time underwriting. Like how viable are these markets? And in Pennsylvania, Ohio, that the racks are not worth very much, so they don't really matter all that much. Um, the of things. So it makes it a little bit easier. At work like DC where the rest are worth a lot more, it can make it harder because what happens if there's a change in law, right? For sure. Then all of a sudden you get a system that's wildly economic today that becomes wildly uneconomic. Wow. And so you think about like how strong is our borrower, how strong is the underlying collateral, what is the system itself? And that's kind of all kind of goes into our underwriting. Yeah, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. And I appreciate you explaining. And remember from our pre-call, you mentioned as well, like, uh, provide commercial financing for like nonprofits and other sorts of institutions. Can you go into that more? Since citing result with the IRA is the uh, refundability of the tax credit. So for a long time, you weren't actually a taxpayer. The tax credit was worthless to you because you get no tax liability to use it. 
and you couldn't use the depreciation. In the IRA, that tax credit, if you're an eligible nonprofit entity, which could be, could be a 501c3, could be a municipal government, a few other things, you actually get that tax credit back as a check. And so we've seen a fair amount of those entities now applying to go solar. And if you think about it, a lot of these are institutions that have been around for a long time. They have solid financials. Utilities are a big part of their operating expense. And they're looking to save money for their members, right? And so solar makes a lot of sense, but you have to have a different underwriting methodology for them. We have a methodology that allows us to approve them. And it's, it's a nice part of our business. Also, things like homeowners associations, sure. those are great opportunities for solar. Again, utilities are a big variable cost, and they're looking at ways to fix them. And what trends are you seeing in the future opposite the RAs? A huge opportunity you mentioned. Can you talk about maybe major trends that you're seeing in financing that you think is going to be like some of the things you actually already mentioned, which Sunstone credit is obviously fitting that those needs? Are there any other sort of big financing changes that you think? Obviously, you talk about transferability. Obviously, that'll be a lot more convenient than the complex structuring. Transferability, I don't think they finalized the rules for that or like they have online portal yet, but I think there are a lot of businesses that even though they make money, they can't monetize pass credits efficiently. Sure. Or maybe they have, maybe it's a pass entity with 20 different owners and passing the tax credit through is very complicated. So we will at some point, probably in Q1, launch a loan transferability product where we can lend money to someone and then at the same time facilitate the sale of that tax credit to buy down principal. So that's something that we're taking a serious look at. But until the rules are final, final, we're just not going to launch it because we're, we're, we're a lender, not like an equity risk taker. I think the biggest trend that we'll see for our space is businesses that go solar, nonprofits that go solar will generate more firms. So if you think back to residential solar, your solar city days, my Astrum solar days, when market penetration was so low, you would get into like a new community, right? Like the first person would go solar. Everyone would be like, what the heck is that person doing, right? Yes. And like two more would do it. And like four years later, there was like 20 homes. It just, it just keeps growing because most people don't like to be in early adopt. Most people are not willing to be that, right? I think you're seeing the same thing in commercial ownership for solar. You'll have a you know guy who owns multifamily housing and he'll do it. And all his peers will be like, what the heck did you do to your roof? Stranded? But then what's going to happen is his property is going to trade on the market. And he's going to get a really high price. And they'd be like, how did you get so much per unit? They'd be like, oh, I have extra operating income because of my solar system. For sure. And then other people are going to do it. And then it'll kind of kick on more. So I think people will get more comfortable with kind of the, the asset and having it on their building. Almost like a good analogy for people in commercial real estate is cell towers. When those first came out in like early mid-90s, nobody wanted it on their roof because it was going to like fall off and damage a car. It was going to get someone brain cancer. And now anytime you drive by a commercial building, what do you see? Lots of cell towers just become commonplace. So, so I think that's a big trend. I think we need to make it simpler and simpler. So if I go back to residential solar financing, when we first started, uh, we were proving a new asset. So everybody was pretty overly restrictive just to kind of make sure that like the first vintages of loans or leases perform very well. And then over time, as you build the performance data, you can kind of open up a little bit more. I think you'll see some of that, right? So I think hopefully as we can kind of show that this is a well-performing asset, we'll get new capital providers. Hopefully the cost of capital will drop, which makes a deal even better. And hopefully we'll, we'll be able to kind of handle new asset classes or handle a little bit more easily and reduce friction in the process. Yeah, definitely. That's really interesting. I appreciate you sharing that. The Solar Maverick podcast is about solar and entrepreneurship. You've been doing renewable energy, solar entrepreneurship now for over 15 years. What advice would you have to someone who's looking to get into a career of entrepreneurship and getting on the solar roller coaster that you've been on many times before? Yeah, I guess I'm focusing on solar specifically. Like, I think a lot of times I feel like it's a very crowded space. and It's like, 
Game Seven of the World Series. But I think if you take a step back, the industry has only been around for 15 years, which compared to any other industry is like very, very, very immature. And the market penetration is very low. So it's actually a space that's right for entrepreneurship because there's not like an embedded host of people who've been doing this for 100 plus years. Like, yeah. If you want to start an investment bank, like, good luck. There's a lot of them. They've been around for a long time. If you get a new industry, it's right for kind of like new folks that have this dirt. And I would just say like, try and figure out a problem that actually exists. Like there's a lot of people, like I see people that have been successful in the space. Take folks like Aurora, for example, yes. uh, with their residential quoting tool. There was a huge problem when everyone used to build their own quoting tool. And no one was very good at it. It was all Excel based. Like, hey, like I see a problem. Every single star has the same problem. Like, let me solve that. You know, we're solving the problem of businesses need financing. Sometimes people solve problems that don't really exist. There's a huge amount of opportunity out there. And I think because the industry is so immature, nobody knows the best way to do it, which is again, right for opportunity. Definitely like what you said. You know, when you flop, always, I, I usually fly in the window and I look how much solar there's. And commercial industrial, there's not much solar. And I'm talking about even when we look at states that have already had a lot of solar, like New Jersey, Maryland, Massachusetts. It still surprises me how many commercial industrial buildings don't have solar after it's yeah. been around for so many years. So I was at a conference and like a hotel suite in a meeting with, with a banker and he asked me a question of like, what's the TAM for the space? And I pulled the blinds back and you could see a whole bunch of buildings. And I was like, that's the TAM. Do you see any solar? Seriously. Right? Again, going back to like, this isn't game seven of the World Series, this is like spring training spell. The market is so underpenetrated. And like, we might feel to be in the industry for a long time and like, Everyone's doing solar, and it's definitely growing. What is Resi Solar at? Like five percent penetration, maybe. Virtual solar is below that. That's like a really, really low number. And there's like millions of homes being built every year. Like it's the market's actually growing, right? At some point, you know, one of those installs that we did 15 years ago, they're gonna want a new system. A lot of opportunity out there. Oh, for sure. And the other thing too is like earlier in the podcast, you mentioned about 2013 at Astro. We were thinking about commercial industrial landing product and how hard it was. I remember five, eight years ago thinking about it's amazing, you know, now that you're really yeah. taking advantage of that opportunity. That goes back to your whole thing about there's so much opportunity to add value. In yeah. I think also through entrepreneurship, one of the things that I've learned painfully most often is that timing matters a lot and you can definitely be too soon. So I think like, I don't think we could have done Sunstone Credit in 2013. It would have failed. Yeah. Regardless of how talented I may or may not be, the timing just wasn't right to get banks involved and turn everything together. So I think if you're an entrepreneur, I think you should look back almost at things that have failed to some extent and figure out like, did that fail because it was a bad idea or did it fail because the timing wasn't right? And maybe the timing wasn't right because the technology wasn't there to support it. So like, you know, people have had more success selling solar remotely today than like the longevities of the world had 10 plus years ago. Not necessarily this was a bad idea 10 years ago, just you didn't have the tools like Zoom, for example, you know, you were literally signed over like a phone call with no video. So like, I think there's an opportunity to kind of go back and say, hey, like what didn't work? It was actually a decent idea that could be done better. And I think also there's gonna be a big opportunity in the operations side of the business. Everyone is focused on like the sales side of the business, but I think what the current climate is showing us where the past two or three years, Resi Solar, for example, the market has been so hot that an idiot could go out and sell solar and make money. And plenty of them did, right? I don't know if you saw the solar bros are here in time. I did. It was an interesting one. I was never good enough at sales to be a solo bro. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. but when times get tough, the company said the hardest part of solar has always been the installation. That is the hardest part of the business to scale, the permitting, the installation, the internet, all that stuff. And I think people who can build tools that enable those human beings to be more efficient 
can make a lot of money. Because as times get tough, it's like, how can I extract costs, right? As interest rates rise, how can I keep it a good deal to the customer? I better extract costs. Yeah. And all the costs are on the rooftop, whether it's commercial or residential. And that's the kind of thing where it's hard to do. But if someone can figure out how to save two, three, four, five cents a lot for an installer, it's a lot of money over a lot of jobs. And we've seen like racking, getting more efficient bifacial panels. Yes. We were just talking about the cost of panels. We're seeing extremely low prices compared to a year ago. Also, COVID obviously got customers more comfortable with not burning door or phone sales, but through Zoom as well. So that's interesting that you mentioned like Sanjevi, that was their model before. But obviously, they were able to last. You know, from a time perspective, maybe it would have been different. Who knows? You know? Yeah, who knows? We, we, we would have gone, gone back up like three or four times. <laughs> you never know. Can you talk about like when Sunstone was founded? What made you start it at that time? I know you mentioned that it probably wouldn't have worked in 2014. Maybe even briefly talk about the fundraising process too, as well. I don't know. I know that's multiple questions. Sure, I'll try to tackle them before we get. So, Sunstone started, it was like fall of 2020. I was still working on a business called Legends of Learning, which did educational game-based learning software. But I started with two of my partners from Master Solar. And it was during COVID, so I wasn't traveling and I was home. And I was just thinking about solar for some reason. And I was thinking about, I saw an article about commercial solar and how like the small segment of the market hadn't grown, which kind of piqued my interest. And I kind of still got to like, I'll like dig into this. I had some free time and I was thinking like, why hasn't this grown? Very quickly was clear, no good financing. And so I said, hey, like, is there an opportunity to do for commercial what we did with sunlight for residential? On a whiteboard, and I have a picture of it somewhere, and mapped out, like, what would have to happen for this to work. Yeah. And I was pretty confident that I could build an installer channel on before. I was pretty confident that we could figure out the underwriting. If we could. But the big question was, like, could we actually get a bank to be the first bank to kind of finance this kind of asset? Because if you don't have bank capital... None of it matters, right? You can think you have the best tools in the world, but like you can't equity fund a lending business. It just takes too much money. And so probably through good timing more than anything else, Sunlight had just announced it was going to stack. And so that was like a nice little like halo about me and co-founder of Sunlight, this guy, Wilson Chang. He's also my co-founder here. And so we talked to one of our early bank partners at Sunlight and said, hey, we get this idea for commercial. Here's why we think it will perform really well. They were an early partner at Sunlight and said, hey, you know what? Like, we trust you guys. This works. The bank was called Cross River Bank. They're a great partner of ours. Fantastic people. Yeah, formerly right across the bridge. That's the name. They said, hey, like, believe in you guys. We like the market. Like, we'll give this a shot, right? And that was going, okay, we have an idea. We actually have a bank will finance it. Now let's build a team. So if you fast forward to like mid-2021, assembled a fantastic team of folks from a bunch of different backgrounds, from solar, from banking, credit, technology, and actually started building the platform. One of the unique things about lending is to lend highly regulated. So like most startups, when I first started Ashton Solar, we sold a solar system before we had any idea how to install it. Now, granted, it was in my parents' house in the street. Alas, figure that out later. You can't write a loan and then figure out how to be regulatory compliant later. So like the first you know, six to eight months of the company was kind of getting our house order to actually earn the right legally to make a loan to a user borrower. And then in like early, mid-2022, we started actually onboarding installers and writing loans. So we've been doing that for almost two years now. And it's been really exciting. Like I think that there's clear market demand. There's, you know, lots of headwinds with interest rates and M3.0 here and there. But like the underlying product of a business can benefit from going solar exists. People want it and we just need to figure out how to get more efficient. 
Yeah, definitely. No. You also guess what the capital is. Yeah. So we raised a Series A last November, about a year, two Novembers ago. Now, from our, the lead investor was Greenbacker. Two of our banks participated in that round: Crossroad Bank and Forbred Bank, and then a few other venture firms. It was a twenty million dollar. Yeah, and then obviously you have a lot of experience too with capital raises based on your other companies. So I'm sure they're all awful. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's, it was extremely challenging. It never gets easier. You get rejected the same amount of time. And I hate doing it. It's obviously important. We're blessed to have good partners. And probably to some extent, our timing was somewhat fortunate. Like we were able to get out in the market and transact before rates really, really took off. And I think it would be very hard to start this business today. Yeah. Like I, I think banks aren't doing new things now for a variety of sure. reasons. I think equity investors are much more hesitant to take the plunge, especially for businesses that they need a lot of money. So I think we're a combination of luck and timing there. And I'm sure a lot of hard work, positive. A lot of hard work and a fantastic team that helped carry me to the finish line. Yeah, that was all about the team. And can you talk about like how many megawatts the platform has financed? You see, closing around a billion dollars one application, and we'll approve you know a fraction of that loans this year. Three megawatts, maybe something like 30, 40 megawatts of loans this year. We'll get, we'll kind of get funded. And we started last year. We quadrupled year over year. I'll do that again. That's amazing, bro. Well, this has been an amazing interview. Josh, I appreciate you making time in your beautiful office here in New York City. If our audience wants to learn more about Sunstone Credit, for you, what's the best way? Anyone who listens to your podcast can email me. Josh.goldberg at sunstonecredit.com. Find me on LinkedIn. Pretty avid on that. I don't know how to use any other social media. If you give me LinkedIn, I will respond to you. <laughs> I also make great TV show recommendations. Oh, so can you give us a TV show recommendation? You have to give me a genre, and I'll give you a recommendation. Oh, a genre, sci-fi. Sci-fi, a great one. So a dear friend of mine, Matt Schwartz, uh, is the co-executive producer of a show on Apple TV called Monarch, Legacy oh. of Monsters. It's a show that takes place in like the Godzilla, King Kong, like multiverse. It just started a few weeks ago. It's pretty good. But also an Apple TV Foundation is quite good. Those are two for you. Yeah, those are great. I actually didn't want to check out Monarch. I have Apple TV subscription. So I appreciate you sharing your suggestions. Yeah, all the Star Wars shows are great. Oh, yeah. Star Wars, Legends. It's not Legends. It's the one with Ezra Bridger. Rebels. Rebels. Rebels <laughs> is fantastic. I showed a tear in my face. It's one of the best animators ever made. It was impressive. I was really surprised my God son recommended it. People have been recommending it to me, Loki. Loki's good. I haven't seen it. I generally don't like the Marvel TV shows. Yeah. I think they're poorly executed and kind of garbage. WandaVision was okay, and Loki was like head and shoulders above the rest of the shows. Yeah. So I, I'm working my way through season two, but season one was fantastic. I appreciate that. So I'm going to check. Now I you gave me stuff to listen to or watch. So I appreciate that. Josh, thank you again for being on the Solar Driver Podcast. This has been a great interview. We'll have all your contact information as well with this little podcast. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much for putting up with me for 45 minutes. Thanks for listening to the Solar Maverick Podcast. The Solar Maverick Podcast is brought to you by Renew Energy. We're a solar development and consulting firm. If you believe that this podcast is adding value to you, please give us a five-star review and share with those that you think could benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and feedback to info at renewenergy.com. That's I-N-F-O at reneuenergy.com. The Solar Maverick Podcast is produced by Podcast Laundry and executive produced by Benoit Thangen and Kevin Y. Brown.